Hi, this is Jesse Brisnine. I believe that it is possible to live an extraordinary life after loss, and to do that, one must first choose to heal. This podcast is focused on sharing with you inspiring stories, tangible tools, and life strategies to help you heal from your loss. Well, hello, everybody. We're back again for another Moving Forward moment, and tonight we have Akia joining us, and she's been greeted. So say hello. Hello. It's so nice to have you here, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to to share with us and to to you know and, and bring to light what you have to offer us today. And I just love for you to start. Maybe just tell us a little bit about your story, what's brought you here. Well, my husband died eleven months ago, and it was after a long illness. I wasn't ever supposed to bring him home in two thousand nine, and. Um, when he came out of the coma, he couldn't do anything. And we did everything together and the therapies and everything. And he got better. And wow, it was like a really? So it all kind of went south. And he had a brain surgery to try to help. But the doctor did all he could, but he couldn't do no more. And he had uh, hydrocephalus from in, he had encephalitis from 2009 and pneumococcal meningitis 2009. And, it just, it is, it just fried everything. So, but we had a good life in 2009 until he died, and and I wouldn't give anything for that. How long were you guys married? 34 years. That's awesome. Congratulations. He was the love of my life. How did you meet? It was funny. I I dated a guy and was going to get married to find out he was already married, and I broke it off and. Well, he didn't think it was that big of a deal, but it was, <laughs> and, um, it was a huge deal. And my husband kind of looked like this guy, so my best friend and I was going to make his life miserable for the night just to make us feel better. <laughs> and then she saw that there was something in him, so she drove off and left me, and he had to bring me to my house. And on the way to the house, we decided to eat, and so it was kind of late in the morning when he dropped me off and I he just thought this is a nice guy because I confessed and um, told him, you know, that, about the other guy and he knew him. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, they worked at the same company. And um, I thought, this is a nice guy. Cause I mean, I've, I've, I confessed what I did and, and um, he still liked me. And, and um, we dated for about 18 months and decided to uh, go for it. And, it was he, he he was for he was God he was God sent. Huh. I mean we all have our problems, but God sends the right one to us. That's amazing. That's amazing. And thirty four years later, you have <clears throat> if you had one piece of wisdom to share from thirty four years of marriage to people out there who are whether they're newlyweds, been in it for a long time, still married, what would that wisdom be? Never go to bed mad. Hmm. Those nights that you found yourself maybe on the cusp of, of having some anger or madness before bed, what would you do to, is, did you have anything that it was like a go-to, like a, a, sometimes couples, excuse me, I work with quite a few couples and one of the things we work on with that is just having a phrase that they can say, you know, that, that breaks down the energy of what was and just to reset about why they're, they're in that bed together because of love. I didn't, but my husband did. My husband was very passive. And I'd attempt to sleep on the couch, and he would come in here and say, 
Now we can act like adults. And that that would just crush my willpower to be be right. He was he was right. <laughs> and we like talked and we, we didn't have very many of days like that. We really um we were meant for each other. We brought the best out of each other. That's awesome. In his, <clears throat> you know, to say the word struggle, when we talk about losing someone, it's, it's kind of a, almost a silly thing to say, because I think that it's implied with loss, so there's going to be some struggle. But do you find that there's been one bigger struggle for you, maybe one that you didn't anticipate during that time afterwards? Yes, I mean, uh, they tell you not to do anything drastic that first year. Mm -hmm. It seemed like everything in my life was drastic. Um, the roof started leaking again after we'd had a new roof. And um, actually, I got up there and fixed it. Did you really? Good for you. Yes, I did. And then the fence got blown down, and um, I, I fixed that last week. I got one board that's crooked, but for me, that's pretty good. That just gives it personality. <laughs> yes, it does. I can always point it out. That's where I started. <laughs> then the I had a water leak, and I couldn't afford that either. And so I started digging up my front yard because the plumber told me how much that was going to cost me for him to dig that ditch. So I dug an eight-foot ditch. It took me a week. I worked half a day and dug half a day because it was February and it was cold in the morning. So I dug in the afternoon and, and then he didn't even get to come back and fix it because I didn't figure it out with YouTube how to fix it. Huh. So my brother amazing? showed me some things and and um I was able to do that. But the one thing I struggled with was buying the vehicle, was getting rid of his our truck, which carried his wheelchair lift. But I didn't need that I couldn't afford it because you know it was like 17 miles to gallon and I, I live in one town and work in another mm -hmm. so I set out and um, I bought my car my new car on my own with no help my family wanted to help but I wanted to do it and I only wanted to pay $110 a month and nobody thought that was possible but I did pull it off no kidding yes I did that's amazing. So what I'm what I'm hearing is is <clears throat> it sounds like, and this is really common, right? In relationships, we get so intertwined with our partners that the line between who we are and who they are becomes blurred, and it's just us. Mm -hmm. And yeah, right. And and it's beautiful that there's that kind of union. And when there's loss, we've forgotten who we are independently of the relationship and so what i've heard is it sounds like there's a struggle for you to find your your own independence but what i've been hearing you say is that you've been really deliberate about taking action to demonstrate your your own capability and independence right well, I, I had the eight years of caregiving in the last couple of years were not pretty years i mean i it, it, he was getting down to total care and and um so you do lose your identity mm -hmm. and but we had time to talk you know because he, he told me 
for about the last year that the one thing he didn't want to, he didn't mind dying and he didn't mind because he knew where he was going. He knew that he was heaven bound and, um, but he didn't want to leave me behind. That was the, he goes, you're the hardest thing that about it is leaving you. So we, he, he had given me a lot of good advice and he, I had given up a ministry and that had bothered him because he, I had worked hard in a couple of ministries that every time he got sick, I gave him up. And so um, when you have eight years of caregiving, it's the long goodbye. Yeah. And so not to say that it didn't crush me the night it happened. And for weeks after, it crushed me. I, I'd sit in a, a dark house. I wouldn't turn the lights on. I wouldn't answer the phone. Yep. And I mean, I had my my moments. I had to I had to work through. You know, I was I every morning I'd wake up, want to turn over and see if he was ready to get out of bed. You know, and, and he he wasn't there. Or I'd want to talk to his recliner because he sat in it the whole day while I was at work, and and he wasn't there. And so I had my hard moments, but um, the long goodbye prepares you for a lot more. Than you realize. Yeah. And uh, I joined groups like yours and I joined uh, uh, another group. I was in a caregiver's group and, and someone invited me over to the widow's group. But I didn't like it as much then as I do now because people seem to be so angry. Hmm. And it wasn't what I wanted. You know, and they, they would get upset about words like your new normal. Like it was some type of awful word, but it really wasn't because I learned to lean into what I do have a new life. Yes. And I, I looked back when I was 24 and I married him. I had a new life. Yes. And in that new life, the first Christmas, it wasn't real pretty. I mean, my family had our traditions and he had his traditions from his family and um, we had to merge them. And I ended up drinking a nut shake milk every 24th for 34 years. <laughs> I didn't ever understand that tradition. But um, now it's 34 years later and he's not here. He, it is what it is, he's not coming back. I wouldn't want him back because he would be right back in the same health he left in. Yes. But he, why would he give up a new body? And, and sometimes when I would have my pity party by myself, I can hear him saying, why? Don't you know where I'm at? Don't you understand? You know, and he, I just, I had my, my faith was comforting, knowing that yes, you have to embrace what is, you have to be realistic. And I had to go back to work right away. I was out of time, off, and um, they'd been good to me with all the hospitalizations and everything. I just, going back to work was hard, but it was the best thing for me. But really the best thing that ever happened to me is um, the sisters in my ministry uh, that I'm a, a part of, 
something happened the week then he died and the person that was supposed to be the leader for a weekend quit and i was the only one that had any of the credentials needed to do it so they came to me just right after his services and and asked me and um we say no too many times mm -hmm. about everything and they didn't let me they they knew they knew me well and so they promised to help me all the way through it's a six months preparation and i had four months so just about every night somebody was over here helping me get things ready and get the printings and i mean so my weekend came up to be the weekend of my first anniversary without him hmm. and oh they promised me they were going to be there for me and they were I mean, when they found out that Denny always left me a yellow roses, you know, and I always had cookies on my pillow, they did it. Wow. They, 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 they just about ran over. There was 24 on the team, and they just about ran over each other trying to make sure I was okay the wow. whole weekend. And that would be my other thing I learned. People need to quit saying I'm fine or no because they complain when they quit calling. And um, I had quite the opposite. It's kind of nice now not to get a call overnight, but but um, but then if I'm not findable, I went on a trip to Lubbock and I didn't call and check in with anybody. And I'm amazed they didn't call the state highway patrol. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got chewed out when I got home. And, and you need to lean on your friends. Your friends yes. really want to be there for you. They're not just telling you they want to be. I, mine proved it. But without that weekend, I might have pushed them away. Without that weekend uh, ministry retreat, and, you know, I probably would have not gone out to eat or gone shopping or even opened the door. And that's my biggest advice is I learned through what my friends did for me. And I think that's what I can credit. It is my Cairo sisters, my community, who have me where I am today. Awesome. I have no doubt. What I hear in that is a few things. I hear one, number one, how important it is to, to find or create some sort of purpose beyond loss. Right, giving whether it's ministry, whether it's 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 some new project, you know, it's a gardening thing, it's a hobby, whatever it is, but giving yourself something, right? Number two is it's it's your. It sounds like each and every day, you know, and for the most part, we all have our days where it's not. But you've been really deliberate and thoughtful about getting up and doing things, making yourself do things, doing things that might not be comfortable, like going out and digging out the plumbing or learning how to patch the roof. And number three is, is really finding your, your community to surround yourself with and then allowing yourself to be honest with yourself enough to say, Hey, I need support. I need some help here. Not to pretend like it's fine. And I think that's, it's so tragic with loss is that we, there's this, this, this almost tendency to default to, Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like we have to do stiff upper lip and carry on and stuff when we're not fine. You know, and we when we start to depress that emotion instead of expressing it, it's just literally it's like you know taking this bag of trash and pushing stuff down, pushing stuff down. 
Well, guess what? You can only push it down so far until it starts to spill over. If we're the vessel and we're pushing stuff down, pushing stuff down, eventually it's going to get toxic in our system. But if we express it, right, we get it out, it can be transformative and it can create a space for healing. We can't heal if we're putting all that crap inside, but we can if we make space to heal. And I had another mentor too. Um, about 16 years ago, I went to, to church with the lady whose son had died about four years before I met her. And the way she talked about him, I said, well, why don't you bring him to church with you next Sunday? And then other people told me, well, he's been dead about four years. And we, we had, you know, uh, conferences and things we'd go to and other people would make the same mistake I made because she talked as if he was alive. Mm -hmm. And she, it, she met, she was the most miserable person I think I've ever met. And I, when my husband, when I knew that, you know, we would reach that point where he would probably die before me because of all of his health issues and all, I said to myself, I never want to be like her. Huh. And, and tonight at church, you know, I, I, I saw a pastor I'd seen in, in 16 years and I, he, he asked me, how you doing? And I said, you know, he was her pastor too. I said, you know, she was my biggest mentor. And she didn't know it. She showed me what I didn't want to fill my life up with. And that was yes. bitter. I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't think I'm unusual. I just think I've embraced it. Because like the first Christmas, my family said, oh, well, we won't have it at your house. I said, oh, yes, we will. It's where we've always had it. I've, yes. I've, you have to embrace it. And we actually laughed. And we... We, uh, my husband had certain sayings and we were sitting at the table and I said, I said something and every one of them at the same time said, oh, I can hear him saying that. <laughs> it's, there's, there, at the end of the journey, whatever the journey is, there has to be happiness and joy and laughter and smiling. Yes. Because we don't have a cross to bear. Things that happen aren't meant to, you don't, you hurt not because you've been wronged. We hurt because we have loved. I and love that. Honor my husband is to be the person he knew. Yes, exactly. I think <clears throat> there's, there's, there's a decision that we have the opportunity to make when we lose someone. And that decision comes in the form of commitment. And there's a commitment to honor. And for some people, it ends up becoming a commitment to be sad, to be miserable. And I'm not saying that anybody goes into it necessarily saying, okay, I'm going to decide right now and commit to being miserable and sad. But it will come in another form, an expression of I'll never be happy again. You know, I'll never find peace. I will never this. I, this was my only this or whatever it is, right? And something that cuts off a possibility of anything beyond that. And so you think about how that would feel for someone if they've just had the significant loss. And now what they're telling themselves is not only did they lose yeah. a person, but they lost all the good stuff that they experienced too. See, the good stuff they can still experience. Happiness, joy, to your point, we can. And we can still experience it in honor of them. And my opinion is, is if we have that kind of level of, a, of a association to someone, you know, husband, wife, whomever, was such a huge source of joy and love and happiness in our life, 
we owe it to them to carry on in experiencing joy and love and happiness in their name because that's what they meant to us in life. And there's no reason that they can't mean that to us in death. See, and I firmly believe that, that he would be disappointed in me. Yes. If I did anything less. It's not saying I don't have hard days. Absolutely. And I, I've had a couple of this, this last week because you know, I'm coming up on that year mark. Yep. The grass is turning green. It's that time of the year where where he, he was he died and you know I've, I've gone full season i've gone through winter and, and i've gone through fall and i've gone through spring and i'm and not just in the seasons of the earth but i've been through all of those seasons in myself just all twangled up rapidly going through some of them visiting some for a little longer and some of them I just needed to say, I've had enough of this, you know, the bleak days, the dark days. And, yep. and um, people say, well, there, and I was guilty of this. I was never going to get rid of his clothes. I was never going to change anything. And then in three months, I woke up and I just heard him say, I don't know why you keep that toothbrush. I don't need it. So I cleaned out his toiletries in the bathroom and spent about three hours bawling after I did it. For sure. Right. Yeah. Then I moved his chair out of the living room because I kept trying to turn over and talk to him and he wasn't there. And, um, but some, I moved it into the, my, our bedroom and it doesn't give me, it doesn't upset me in there. It only upset me in the living room. In the bedroom, when I wake up scared at night, I can go sit in that chair or if I have, I have some, uh, issues with indigestion sometime and i sit up in that chair and it brings me comfort it's huh. finding where everything fits it's yep. not like you gotta pitch everything out the door because it hurts you in one area because it, it might bring comfort in another i love that one final piece of advice to kia to anybody listening if you could if you give everybody one piece of advice what would that be Learn to live. I'd like that. You are a beautiful woman, and it is such an honor and a pleasure to meet you. And I have full confidence that your husband is immensely proud of your, your commitment to living, to, to carry on, to find your independence, to create your independence, your new you, your new, your new way of going, that you've been able to patch roofs, fix do plumbing and, and all sorts of other stuff and buy your own car. And, and I have full confidence that what you've shared is going to resonate with quite a few folks who are, who are find themselves watching this. And I sincerely hope those of you who are watching this really take some of Dakia's words to heart because she's lived it. She's experiencing it. And what she said is it, it works. She's, she'll, she's here to tell you about it. So thank you so much for being here. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure and I, I, I really appreciate you. You've been listening to Healing from Loss, the podcast. If you found value in this, please subscribe, rate, and review it on whatever platform you're listening to it on. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to leave a comment and share this with someone who can benefit from it. Until next time, carpe diem, live this moment in honor of your loved ones.